most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 163 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. This week we're talking about direction for your life and how to find it. Plus, we've got some amazing listeners' questions about the word prophetic when applied to things other than words, AJ's review of her new planner, and a heads up on the Heaven Declares conference. But first of all, most importantly, AJ Jones, how the heck are you? I'm great. How are you? Do you feel greater because you're wearing your sexy librarian glasses? You just took them off. I did because I can't look at you. I They're like for reading or something, and so I can't actually see you. Which what happens? You look f- f- fuzzy, 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 foggy. <laughs> oh, well, you look great for the moment you were wearing them. Thank you. Not to say you don't look great now. I could put on the fake ones if you want me to wear yes. some glasses while we podcast. Very much Hang so. Hang on a second. I'll just put those on for you. And then you can call me Mr. Moneypenny. Did Miss Moneypenny wear glasses? I, I don't know. Oh, Miss Moneypenny. Do you like them? They look very nice. Thanks. All right. Talk to me about this week. Oh, it was a great week. It was a very full week. Um, It kind of, it was very full socially. Yeah. But we had Monday and Tuesday and Friday off work. Yes, That's my favorite kind of work. I know, right? Just two days. Ta-da! Yeah, we had some days in lieu, didn't we, from the previous week. So it was nice to have Monday and Tuesday off and just hang out with Mugs and, you know, chill. Mugs being our four-year-old. Yes. He's going to be five soon. He keeps telling me. Yeah, how many days? 68. (laughs) But who's counting? He asks every morning. Mm -hmm. Well, it might not have been full with work, but it was very full socially. It felt like we were either out for dinner with friends or we had friends over for dinner all week. Yes. Is that true or my imagination? No, that's true. Oh. We had a really full week. I'm trying to think what we ate. Oh, we ate a ton of brisket. A lot of brisket. Good Lord. Brisket you can never have too much brisket, though. And pimento cheese. I, I, I tell you. I, I was, could have too much pimento cheese, but I can't have too much brisket. I was built to live in the South. Okay. Sweet tea. Yeah. Brisket. Yeah. Pimento cheese. Should I mention that you drink unsweet tea or not really? Well, I, you know, I like sweet too, but just any kind of tea. Here's the irony of all ironies. I grew up in Britain and I never drank tea. I move here. I drink the stuff iced. Yeah. You're a strange one, yeah. but you're cute, so we'll keep you. Wednesday was our staff meeting at Gray Center, which is always really fun. It's a great group of people. We have a great time with each other. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. And it felt fun because it felt like we're all back from summer vacation or something. So the room was full. Mm -hmm. It was nice. And then Thursday, we had our SSL, School Supernatural Life, staff meeting, which was tremendous fun because it was like our last meeting before school kicks off this week yes i know tuesday morning baby let's do this you know one of the things i think you know it's easy to think about the practical things god's done to bless us but i would say easily one of the biggest blessings in our life are the people we get to work with oh for sure amazing people amazing i'm like oh i absolutely love it i can't imagine doing the school without the people that we have i can't either that's why whenever we do the declarations over our finances I stare them down when it says jobs and better jobs, but just they, to make sure. They can you know. have better jobs within the jobs they're doing That's true. already. Yeah, okay. I'll and it's our that. job <laughs> to create better jobs for them. But uh, yeah, the pressure is on. <laughs> Ask me why Friday was my favorite day this week. Why was Friday your favorite day this week? Well, twofold. First, it was a big nerdy day for me. I just got to play with technology all day. Yeah. I went out to a friend's house and helped set up a whole lot of electronics, and then I got to come home and play video games all afternoon with MJ. 
he loves playing video games with you. It's so cute. About time. I mean, I I think Babe, I feel he's four. I know, <laughs> but I think I feel the way. Like if I was an athletic father, and you know, I played baseball all my childhood, and then finally my son wanted to play baseball without any pressure for me. I think that's the feeling I'm warming in my heart right now. Right. Only more like couch potatoy version of that. <laughs> he he absolutely loves the Nintendo. And I'm like, he okay, does. train up a child in the way that it should go. And he will not depart from it. I feel like I've done my job well. Now, you must be playing some sort of Avengers game. Because every once in a while I hear you say things like, no, MJ, you're not Spider-Man. You're the Hulk. Or you're not whoever. And you have to remind him which one he is. <laughs> We're playing Lego superheroes, which oh. is all of the Marvel superheroes. And he knows them all by name, obviously. Right. And But it's got this weird split screen where I get confused as to who I'm playing. And we we have to swap characters. And some of the things are quite technical and his motor skills aren't quite there yet. I mean, he's improved hugely. Like, he right. actually knows where he is and where he's going now, which is a relief. Because before, <laughs> I just took the batteries out of the controller and said, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> which might be why he didn't like the game that much. But it was... Wait, but is it a timed game? No, praise God, no. Okay, You would know if it was a time game. Well, I did wonder, because I heard on Friday him say something like, Daddy, why is the abomination a bad guy? I mean, I think he's maybe, he could be a good guy. And I heard you say, yeah, MJ, you just have to get through that door, buddy. We have to get through the door. (laughs) Like, we don't want to go into the philosophy of whether (laughs) the abomination should be a good guy or a bad guy. So I thought maybe it was timed. And then this morning he had to stay home from church. Yeah. And he was home with you. I went to church for both services. And as soon as I walked in the door... You're just like, Daddy, can we play video games? So yeah. I feel like I've reached a new level of parenting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's the goal of every parent. <laughs> there, right there. <laughs> Saturday, we got, you know, speaking of technology, we got a new TV. Well, new to us. A, a friend of ours was getting rid of his TV, and I managed to snag it, which I absolutely love. But this thing is colossal. It's enormous. It is it is the same size as our TV downstairs, yeah. but in that upstairs playroom, it just looks enormous. It's like the size of the wall. And the picture quality on it is astounding. And so we did movie night. We try and do movie night each week, but as Tia reminded us, Daddy, you've been failing at movie night. So we moved <laughs> it to Saturday night and we had popcorn and we watched some one of the Ice Age movies. I, yeah, and it was so fun just to cuddle children on a sofa and... My mother would be so proud to know that I spent the weekend teaching my children <laughs> video games and a home <laughs> and movie watching ice, ice Age with popcorn. Yeah. You missed church this morning. I did. And it but was I did bummer. and I didn't. I watched online for both services. Oh, you did? Yes. Well, worship was amazing. Outstanding. It was great on the live feed. It sounded amazing. Come on. Yeah. And then Jeff Dollar preached Killer. one of my favorite messages this morning. Yeah, really it, good. It was so good. He, he he called me yesterday and we were shooting the breeze and he was telling me this is what I'm thinking of sharing. And when he started sharing that, I was like, oh, I feel so excited about what he's sharing. And so I took beautiful mind map notes this morning on the message. And I just... Of course you did. There was a ton of revelation in it. If you like what we talk about this week on the podcast, I'd highly recommend you watch the second service of Jeff sharing because there's huge overlap between the two of them. It, it was absolutely fantastic. Did not cool. disappoint. Well, speaking of our topic for today, what are we doing, babe? We are talking about a topic that I found from all our listener survey. Thank you to everybody who filled in the listener survey, by the way. Really, really yes, appreciate thank that. you very much. I was shocked to read that nearly 50% of people who responded said the number one thing they needed right now was help with direction. Wow. 
So I thought we could start there. Okay. Sounds good. You know, I, I started throwing around some ideas of what we'd share on direction, and, and it was very similar to what we talked about last week, was the whole, you know, navigating your prophetic words. And so we started making a list of, oh, here's what you do. And I thought, actually, I didn't get direction for my life until I did something that I think is a prerequisite for following Jesus. Okay. And what's that? Sacrifice. I know, at this point, everyone's like, are you kidding me? I wanted practical steps. <laughs> Not sacrifice. But here's the thing. I, uh, certainly in my life and in the lives of many of the people I've led over the years, uh, often we want God to guide us on our terms. Yes. So we're kind of like, okay, Lord, just tell me what to do within these parameters. Right. Within this very narrow field of things that I want to do. And I've, <laughs> I, I've been meditating a lot recently on the goodness of the Lord. And in the last couple of, yeah, the last couple of times I've been with the Lord, I've, I, this phrase has been rolling through my head, that, and I tweeted it out, I don't know, a couple of months ago, that the only thing sacrifice has ever done is lead me into utter satisfaction. Yeah. Which is crazy, because at the point of sacrifice, I thought I was losing everything. Right. At the, t- at the time, it never seems like the benefit is going to come. No, because you're giving away everything that's precious to you. That's the sacrifice part. Right. And you're watching it die. And everything that is precious to you might actually not even exist yet. It's the precious thoughts in your head about so true what you want the future to look like or oh. what your hopes and dreams are. And I think sometimes we forget about the goodness of God in the midst of that. And when the Lord says, hey, would you give me that? We think we're trading it in for an inferior dream because... You know, we don't understand that sacrificing something to God always means that you get something better back. Right. The death is painful, but the resurrection also glorious. Right. There's a verse in the Psalms that's long been one of my favorites. It says this, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. That's Psalm 16, verse 6. Today, in my life, at 42 years old, when I look at my life, I can absolutely say the boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. I have an incredible inheritance. But here's the thing. If I was to go back 20 years and look at my life now, 20-year-old Alan looking at 40-year-old Alan, I would not want the life that God chose for me. Well, explain that. So what, what I mean is, often God's boundary lines don't look pleasant from the outside. Oh, right. So if somebody had said to you in your 20s, hey, you're going to be a pastor and you're going to be in ministry and whatnot, that wouldn't would have looked like, appealing to no, you. No, not, not even remotely. Right. Not even remotely. So the thing that did look appealing, my idols, God had to kill first. Right. Because I, you know, if God had come and said, hey, which God did do, he said, come and follow me. And I was like, where? And he, you know, he's essentially saying, I'm not telling you. Because if he told me, I wouldn't wanted to have come. Yeah, you wouldn't have chosen it. Right. I was, I would have been reluctant to cross the boundary line into what he called pleasant. Right. And, okay. And yet, now that I have, right. it, it's it's utter satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine having the life that you once hoped to have now, and do you think that would have been better? Oh, I mean, I think, well, better, no. I mean, like, I feel utterly satisfied. Like, I, yeah. I, I remember in 2004, I mean, all I ever wanted to do was see the glory of God. Like, like my whole goal was to see the glory of God. And when I came to Toronto and lived in Toronto, lived in that warehouse for five months and got to go to 
what is now Catch the Fire Church, I remember walking with the Lord one one evening. I went out late at night and I just wandering around with the Lord and I just said, Lord, I could die happy now. I, I feel so satisfied that my eyes have seen and I have tasted of the goodness of God and everything I ever wanted you've you've utterly satisfied me that was 2004 and i feel like in the in the in the subsequent 13 years the depths of satisfaction that the lord has brought to my soul i i don't even have a definition for right i don't even know to want what i have now right and i think that i think that's more what i'm touching on that statement of i didn't even know to want what i have now right because i don't think i honestly ever expected life to feel this full and lovely. Right. You know? And so for me, while it's nothing that I dreamed about 20 years ago, it's uh, everything I hoped existed somewhere. Right. Yeah. So I think our starting point sounds negative, but it really isn't. Our starting point would be start with abandonment to God. Yeah. Genuinely just say, God, I will do anything, say anything, go anywhere. Yeah. And then ask for direction. Right. God gets to be God, right. and you get to follow. Because often our direction, if we're not careful, is we're just asking God for confirmation bias. Hey, God, I'd really like to do this. What do you think? Yes, yes, yes. yes. And everything that we're going to say next will be skewed if abandonment hasn't been the prerequisite. Right. I mean, God is not your magic eight ball. No. He actually wants to have more of a say. Right. Yeah. But here's the trick. It feels like we're going to be robbed. Yeah. Now, we know that's not true. But when he's asking you to walk away, if he does, if he asks you to walk away from a place you love or a job you really want or a career you'd always hoped for or, you know, an outlook on life that you'd always wanted, it feels so hard. But he's not mean. He's not out to rob you. He's he's just the giver of good gifts. Yeah. So, our encouragement would be start with abandonment to God. If you want direction... Get on your knees and just say, Lord, I, I am abandoned to you. I am following you. I gave my life to you when I gave my life to follow Jesus. I apologize if there's any parts of it I've taken back. I'm for you. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. You can do anything you want with me. And that opens up a whole new color palette for the Lord to paint with. Right. Good. All right. Having started with abandonment, what would you encourage people to do next? I think start with looking at your prophetic words. What if you don't have any? Uh, ask the Lord for some. <laughs> Go to a church like ours and get some prophetic words. Um, you know, yeah, ask the Lord to start talking to you about, okay, God, if if we're setting aside everything I've ever hoped for, what is everything you've ever hoped for, for me? Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, it. those things may collide. They may be the same thing. So it's not like, you know, he's a good dad, and I think that's the scary part of laying anything aside is it's only scary if you don't know who he is. Right. If you know who he is, if you know how good he is, it isn't scary to let God actually make the, the decisions. It's actually a relief. See, that wasn't my experience. Okay. My experience was just, you know, holding on to the roller coaster rail really, really tightly and white knuckling the thing. But then again, I, I to your point, I wonder how much of a revelation of the father's love I had. I'd like to think I had some. Um, undoubtedly it's grown over the years yes but but think about now babe like when god asks you to do something now you don't have to white knuckle anything no no you you're you're right but i think that's the whole point of life is that you mature you well (laughs) if you think of david david could 
David had the confidence to battle Goliath because he'd fought bears and lions. Right. And I think, uh, you know, everything up until now has prepared you for tomorrow. Right. And I think life with Jesus is one long game of of the Lord just upping the ante on how good he could be. Yeah. And how much faith we can exercise. Yeah, it's good. I, I think. Yeah. So to your point about prophetic words, like I, when I lived in Scotland, I didn't know any prophets. I didn't know what a prophetic word looked like. And I remember just asking the Lord for direction. And to my delight, prophets would come to me in my dreams and prophesy over me. God is not hamstrung by your circumstances. So if you live in the middle of nowhere and you're like, oh, yes, it's so great that you say just come to Grace Center, but I live like 4,000 miles away. (laughs) I'm in Antarctica. (laughs) The Lord can come to you. He's so good. But here's the thing. He's not ambivalent about your life. Yeah. He, He knows that you're here for a purpose. He has a plan and he'd love to share it with you. Another thing you can look at is your dreams. Yeah. So things like, uh, what is God awakening in your heart through your dreams in this season? Do you mean dreams like, oh, I've fallen asleep and had a dream? Or do you mean dreams in a broader sense of hopes, dreams, aspirations? Well, I think I mean both, really. Right. I, you know, I think God has often gotten my attention through my actual dreams while I'm asleep to shift my heart into believing for something different. Mm-hmm. Um but also just what what your heart gets excited about, sometimes that's actually a great indication of something the Lord actually wants to give you. Which is a mind boggler if you're raised in a, in a church environment like I was. Right. Like I think I was somehow, I'm not sure it was taught this, but perhaps by osmosis, I just thought that life with God was just going to be one of sacrifice. And I know I've just talked about sacrifice, but I mean, like everything's going to be hard and anything good you really want, God's going to want to take away from you because it's right, really soulish and you're not very spiritual. I was like that. I always thought that if you gave your life to the Lord, I mean, really fully gave your life to him, for sure you're going to be sent to be a missionary someplace remote and horrible with bugs. I don't, right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, so I, I think... Even in in this season where the Lord was saying, hey, can I have your whole heart? There was part of me that was like, oh, this is pretty dangerous. I see that buggy situation coming right. for me, you know. Um, but that's only because I didn't understand how, how lovely he is and how good God is. Well, what's that amazing verse where it talks about he opens his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing? Yeah. I, I, I have loved delighting myself in the Lord and him granting me the desires of my heart. I've loved that whole process of being near the Lord and him undoing my heart with his goodness of going, oh, look, it's no surprise you're satisfied by this part of your life. I made you that way. Do you want to talk a little bit about the difference between living under a red light and living under a green light? Yeah, so living under a red light is um, basically living waiting for the Lord to speak to you about every single event. Right. So you can't move forward. You can't get peace on anything because you're just waiting all the time for the Lord to speak to you about the next thing. So you're kind of imprisoned. Well, you also think that, you know, if you're living with a red light mindset, it's like being stuck in a traffic jam because none of your wills or thoughts or ideas are valid. Right. Right. And you contrast that with living under a green light. So living under a green light is more realizing that you are living under the favor of God and you can just keep heading forward and keep walking through the doors that he's opening for you and keep pushing on doors or knocking on doors or whatever. And and 
what stops you is when God says stop, as opposed to what makes you go is when God says go. Right. And and that's that's an amazing revelation where you reach a place because I th- I think it's also maturity in the Lord. You know, when you're when you're early uh, an early believer with the Lord, the Lord is really really leading you. But the whole goal of growth in God is not so that He leads you like a little child, but so that right. you're transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and you start making decisions that that what is it that Bill says God wants your mind renewed so your will could be done. Mm-hmm. That you know your will is so similar to the Lord that you're you're just doing things that would please Him anyway, mm-hmm. and I I love that. I remember when we moved here to Nashville. My whole, I mean, you'd heard from the Lord. I don't know how many years in advance to move to Nashville, and my whole thing was like, yeah, but move to here to do what? Move, move here how? Like, you know, I was living under a red light. Like, okay, Lord, it feels like we got a bunch of prophetic words about living in America. I sure wish you would, you know, speak to us about that. And even though the Lord was speaking, I couldn't hear. And then one day the Lord just said to me, Alan, would you like to move to Nashville? And I, I was so taken aback. I was like, what do you mean, would I like to move to Nashville? And the Lord's like, would would you like to move to Nashville? I'm like, you mean like me personally, irrespective of what you were thinking? And the Lord's like, sure. And I thought about it for a second. And honestly, th- this sounds flippant, but it wasn't. I was like, well, I mean, they have an Apple store and a cheesecake factory, and yeah, I mean, sure, I'd love to move to Nashville. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, I just felt like this huge shift in my spirit where it wasn't like, oh, God, should we should we move to Nashville? It was like, oh, we're going to move to Nashville. And I felt this ease and this peace and this, you know, release from the Lord. Not release from the Lord like the Lord was, you know, holding up on it, but I just felt like this pleasure of the Lord on the decisions to go places. Yeah. Talk to me about your journey, because didn't you originally want to be a lawyer? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, just because I liked arguing with people, I think. <laughs> At a girl. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, I think I think there was a bunch of things that went into that. I wanted to be something that wouldn't be boring, that I'd get to argue, and that would be seen as successful. Right, and your uncle was a lawyer. My uncle was a lawyer, and but I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. I wanted to... I don't know, wear a suit and, I don't know, be aggressive, I guess. Put those glasses on be on a power suit. aggressive. Be, be aggressive. So, um, what is happening? It was super funny because uh, I, even at the beginning of the renewal, like here we are in renewal and all this crazy stuff is happening and I'd, I'd done YWAM, so I'd done this, you know, ministry type school and, but it was sort of like, that's, this is my, do my ministry type school before I get serious about going back to school and become a lawyer, like right. in my head, you know? Here you go, Lord. Here's five months. Right. Here's five months, Lord. And then, you know, my life is back in my control. And, you know, then I started that year of the of the renewal, started getting all these prophetic words about being in ministry. And um, it, it was it was a huge shift, but it, and it, it honestly took me about a year to say yes. Well, a year to say yes to the idea of yes. that. Yes. And a then how many yes. years from your yes to when you actually start doing it? Um, I started sort of traveling part-time and vomiting every time I had to speak uh, a couple of years after that. So like four or five years after that. Um, but I didn't start traveling full-time until 2001. So, you know, those words were 94. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Well, uh so, 1994, 2001, what's that, seven years? Yeah. And what's crazy is you wanted to be a lawyer, revival happens, so you end up waiting tables. 
just because yeah. it was the most flexible thing to do to earn money and be available to do the revival meetings. Yeah. So basically that was that was the best job that I could find to be able to not miss any of the renewal cuz the the you know all the revival meetings would happen at night. So I would do, you know, breakfast lunch shifts or you know long lunch shifts like lunch close shifts so that I could have the nights off. And then also if something did happen and something happened, I could just call any number of, you know, 30 people who would pick up shifts and go, I can't come in today. You know what I mean? So it was the most flexible thing I could do to still. And what's funny is even in that, you didn't go from waiting tables to ministry. Talk talk about how you ended up getting your job at National Car Hire, Rental, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, well, that was that was a trip. I was working at a restaurant and I had just started working at this particular restaurant. Right. Um, and it was sort of like a, it was on the airport, uh, airport strip. strip. And, um, again, I was just trying to, you know, put money away and had gotten to do some missions trips and that kind of stuff. So I was just trying to make a decent amount of money while still having flexibility. And, uh, I'd only been there about a week and I served this table of these two young guys, you know, guys in their thirties or whatever. And, uh, it was it was the day that everything went wrong, you know. So, it, so well, it I he the these two guys were sort of sitting in the corner, and on one side of them was this table that just you couldn't do anything to make them happy, and on the other side of them was this person that had a mushroom allergy who had ordered a pizza that had mushrooms on it, and I had you know said no mushrooms, and then you know I I had like a huge section, and then the owners of the hotel had come in, and the the manager had pulled me aside and said, these guys have fired the last two servers they had on the spot. Please be really careful to do everything perfectly. I don't want to lose you and whatever. And I'm like, thanks a lot. Like I've been here a week, you know? And so it was one, it was just stress, you know, it was stress. And, you know, the pizza came out with mushrooms and I sort of grabbed it right before it sat down and went, Oh, just a second, you know, and whatever. But I guess I stayed pretty buoyant. I think mostly because my other job didn't want me to leave the previous restaurant and they were like, we will have you back. If anything happens, come back. So I was sort of like, if I get fired today, I still have a job. So whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah. So serve these, uh, these two guys. And at the end, uh, the one guy said, Hey, I'd love to offer you a job. I've just, he's like, we've been watching how you deal with stress and how you've dealt with all these different tables. And I just think, you know, I have a job for you. And I was like, Oh, you know, I like my job. Thanks so much. I just started here and whatever. And, uh, he's like, well, you know, I work for national car rental and I was like, okay, great. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, you, you know, like one of those little booths or whatever. And I right. was like, uh huh. So that's sweet and everything. And, and he's like, well, I'll just leave you my card. You can call me if you want. And I'm like, okay. So uh, he left. And then I looked at his card and he was the president of a national car rental. So it turns out it was the vice president and the president that were literally sitting there taking up my table forever, just watching me <laughs> as everything was going wrong. And, you know, it, it turned out to be a fine day and I didn't get fired. Um, but here's the thing. You never thought, you know what? I think I want to be a lawyer. Nah, screw that. I'd actually like to work in middle management in a car rental company. You didn't. No. And yet that door opened. Yeah. You stepped into it. Well, I didn't right away, actually, because I was sort of like, you know, I-, I wasn't particularly interested. Again, I wanted to, I had, my heart had then adjusted to being in full-time ministry by this right. point. And I didn't know how I got there, but I was pretty sure car rental wasn't the way there. 
And so I wasn't really interested, but then he came back in about three weeks later and asked to sit in my section and sat there the whole shift as well and was like, no, I'm serious. I want to offer you a job. And and when you said yes, where was National's head office? It was the building right next door to the church. <laughs> and I didn't even realize that. I mean, literally walk across a car park and you're yeah, at the church. the grass. Yeah, it's right there. I mean, you could, yeah. And I remember you saying that basically what you didn't realize is you were paid to pastor all the people at National. Yeah, Basically, totally your job was, was yeah. to go around all the departments and l- review their personalities, their profiles, their disc tests, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. and restructure the teams based on what you thought would be, a, you know, the best working environment for them. Yeah, I mean, for about the first year, I trained in every single department, so I got to work with all of the different managers and learn how every department works, so that I could run any department, um, which was really fun. And then after that, they promoted me to doing exactly what you're talking about. So for about two years, I basically pastored them. My job was to meet with all the city managers, and there was about 40 of them, and talk to them about their hopes and their dreams and you know what they felt was going right and what they didn't feel was going right and all that kind of stuff, and then restructure teams based on strengths and weaknesses to try and make the company stronger. But, but here's the thing. Right? It's easy in hindsight to see, oh my gosh, God was using national car rental to actually train you with some of the skills that you totally. need for today. But at the time, did you think, oh, this is God no. totally preparing me for ministry? Did no. you think, I've totally missed it? Like, Tell me what no, you were thinking at I, that point. I didn't realize so much what I was doing. I was just having so much fun. I thought, oh, this fits me. I love this. I love figuring out people's strengths and figuring out how to help them and all that kind of stuff. And I remember uh, talking to John once and John just saying, well, AJ, they're paying you to pastor those people. Mm. And I was like, oh, Oh, gosh, I guess they are, you know. I I see so many people with a major dose of FOMO, you know, the whole fear of missing out thing. Mm -hmm. And and they've forgotten that God is too big to let you miss out on things. Right. So they're scared to go do, you know, a national car rental job or, you know, insert whatever job is completely unrelated to where you want to be. Right. Because you think if I say yes to that and say no to my dreams, you know, obedience to the Lord will always ensure you never miss out on what he has for you. Right. And sometimes what he's asking you to do, it's back to that whole thing of sometimes the boundary lines that God's putting up for your life, although he sees they're going to be pleasant places, you are on the outside of that boundary line, outside of that fence looking in going, why would I want to be in there? Yeah. Like you wouldn't have picked a career in middle management in car rental. No. And yet it was a stepping stone. You got promoted like eight times in... Yeah, in five years. Right. Yeah. And what was amazing was you gave them a prophetic word at your job interview. I did. Yeah. I, I told them the day they interviewed me that in, within five years, the Lord had told me I'd be in full-time ministry. So I said, I'll give you 150% while I'm here, but you need to know I'll be gone in five years. But that's the other thing. I think often we are spinning our wheels waiting for our prophetic words to come to pass mm-hmm. rather than getting on with life while they're coming to pass. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like, that was my whole thing. Like, but what? But if I say yes to this, I'm not going to be free when God needs a... Br- no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in blossoming where you're planted. Yeah. Like, just sinking in roots, just doing what what is in your hand to do. Yeah. Because it is easier to steer a moving ship. Don't be sitting around <laughs> for waiting sure. for direction. Get on with life and God will direct you as you go. I, I truly believe that. I think National Car Rental was one of my biggest learning seasons for even the season that I'm in now. Really? In so many ways. Like, you know, it was, I had a whole bunch of dreams there that were, you know, incredible dreams that came true and all that kind of stuff, which just taught me about 
the power of those things, but also what God can do with them. You know, I got to lead tons of people to the Lord and I stopped being afraid of man while I was there because, wow. you know, I most mostly work with men, quite literally. Right. You know, I was one of the very few females there and certainly one of the very few in, in middle management. And you just kind of had to hold your own and, you know, it, 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 I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think actually it's been super valuable. I didn't really realize, though, as you said from before, I didn't realize how much I was learning until after. Well, people forget that Moses was trained in Pharaoh's courts. Right. We, we often think, if I'm in Egypt, how can I be in the promised land? Well, God trains you in every season to reign somewhere else. For like, sure. You know. So that's it. That's our thoughts on direction. And honestly, it starts with sacrifice. Yeah. And then follow up with prophetic words. Listen to last week's episode on using your prophetic words to steer your future. And and faithfulness. Oh, yeah. Faithfulness is super important. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be somewhere. And don't subscribe to fear of missing out. Right. You know, when you show up for work, it may not be your dream job, but give it your 110% because actually that's your witness. I was speaking to a friend tonight and he said, you know, God was speaking to him about his attitude because he was saying, I'm in a job. That you know, it's, uh, on paper, it's a great job. It's not where my heart is, and so I realized I was going into work, not grumbling, but like not, you know, thrilled about it. And the Lord said to him, "Why don't you enter your workplace and th- and hold this thought in your heart? I'm entering God's provision for my family today." And he said, "It's been amazing That's going awesome. to work thinking I'm at the place of God's provision for my family." I was like, "Good Lord, that's that's genius." That is genius. We we often think that the chapter we're in is the totality of the book. Right. And it's not. The next chapter's being written, and God's in control. He has a plan for you. He, he will see his plans for your life completed. Yeah. Now, if if this feels like, ah, that's great, Alan, but it feels a little bit pithy, I want like some more meat, go listen to Jeff Dollar's message from Sunday this morning. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's going to be super helpful. Yeah, really good. All right. Are you ready for a listener's question? Yes. Good, because this one's for you. Okay. This one is from Teresa. Hello, Teresa. She says, this question is for AJ. I know she started using the Ink and Volt Planner in January, and I wanted to see how she liked it. I looked into them recently and saw they had a six-month non-date version, but also read there would be a dated 2018 version released in the new year. Which version did you use, and how do you like it? I love to plan and set goals, and I'm very interested in hearing about your experience with this planner slash journal, and if you plan on using one again, thank you. First of all, it sounds like Teresa and you are speaking code. Explain to everybody who doesn't know what an Ink and Volt planner is. Ink and Volt is a company that released a planner, and it's just, uh, they have two different planners. One of them has the dates already printed in it. The other one doesn't. You can sort of print in the dates. And as in planner, you mean like a like a daily schedule slash calendar yes. slash okay yeah go on um with each month it has like a goals for the month and how you're going to accomplish that and hey journal about this kind of section right and then for each week it says you know it breaks it down to what are your goals for the week and you check things off that you did get them done or you didn't get them done but there's also like a place where you reflect on what did get done last week or what you're thankful for that kind of stuff so I think it's an amazing planner. I sort of fell off the bandwagon in May uh, when life got hairy and I was literally looking at it this morning and thinking, okay, it's time to get, you know, I had sporadic weeks during the summer where I used it and I always feel a little bit more put together those weeks. Right. Um, but, but basically what I do with it is because our whole lives are on our phones. 
you know, on our work calendars mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, but what I was doing is on Sundays, I would transfer just that week's worth of information and appointments and meetings and whatever. I would transfer that all into that week's worth of pages on my um on my planner. And for me, that gave me time to think about and meditate on what the week looked like and catch anything that wasn't going to work well, and even sort of a lot energy um, for what was coming up that week. So um, I don't use it like a yearly planner in that you keep everything for the whole year and you're constantly writing in it. I transfer from my phone uh, where I put all of my appointments and I transfer that into my planner on the Sunday. Would you use it again? I do. Yeah, I want another one. So that's what you're going to use for next year? Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, I hope that was helpful, Teresa. AJ gives you two thumbs up. Boop. Two thumbs up and librarian glasses. All right. I have a question for you, Mr. Jones. Hit me. This is from Bethany. She says, hello, I love your podcast and am continually edified by it. I've gotten my boyfriend on to listening too. He also believes in the Holy Spirit but has less experience in churches and communities which exercise the gifts commonly. He has questioned some of the terminology you use on the podcast, and I don't feel I can answer him well. Can you explain yours and Grace Center's use of the word prophetic in applying to many things other than simply prophetic words? For example, prophetic dancing or prophetic worship, etc. A second question is like it. How do people mean word, uh, and that's in quotation marks, when they use it commonly in your circles? It seems to describe more than just a strictly prophetic word. Where did that come from, and is it biblical? I have to say, Bethany, I love these questions. I absolutely love them, because I grew up in a very, very evangelical, non-charismatic church, and when I started going to charismatic churches, I had so many questions about things that were just totally normal to everybody. Like, why do these people have their hands raised in the air? Right? Like, I honestly completely confused me. Yeah. Why are those people dancing? Like, when you talk about- Why do about, they look so happy in church? Right? I just didn't, there's so much I didn't understand. So, I love questions like this. There was a bunch of questions in our listener survey, like, could you talk about raising hands in worship? Could you talk about all this charismatic stuff? And I was like, yes, I would love to do a, a, a series of podcast episodes on that. Anyway, to answer your questions, and it's, it's a great two questions. The first question is, can you explain your use of the word prophetic when it's applying to other things other than like a prophetic word? So we would talk about prophetic dancing or prophetic worship. To answer that, I would say that when we talk about prophetic, prophecy can be foretelling and it can be forthtelling. Foretelling is simple. It's telling about the future. As the as the Holy Spirit reveals to you about what's going to come next, that's the foretelling side of of prophetic words. There's another side called forthtelling. Basically, the Holy Spirit is giving you insight into what's going on in the spirit realm, and you're telling forth, so to speak, what's going on in the spirit realm. And so, when we talk about things like prophetic dance or prophetic worship, like in worship this morning, Josh Barsons, who's one of our worship and creative arts pastors, along with his wife, Sarah, he was playing guitar. And at one point, there was a lull in the service. Jeff Dollar, who's our senior leader, got up and he said, hey, this is a Selah moment, like in the Psalms, Selah. And Josh was playing. Now, 
I would say that Josh was playing prophetically. And what I mean by that is he was playing being led by the Holy Spirit. There was no music there for him to follow. Yeah, he's off script, as it were, for the song. Totally. He's just following the Holy Spirit. And in that, you get a sense of musically what's going on in the spirit realm. Now, I know that sounds kind of like airy fairy and, but it's, you know, Jeff tried his best to use his words to describe what was going on. Hey, it feels like in this moment that the Holy Spirit is giving us pause. And while Jeff isn't giving a quote unquote prophetic word, telling us a future event that's going to happen, he is explaining with words what's happening in the environment. And Josh was doing a similar sort of thing with prophetic worship. So sometimes prophetic worship is a synonymous term for spontaneous worship led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is prophetic in nature in that as it's happening, it's it's making way for the Holy Spirit to do something. A great example of this is um, Josh and Sarah have started a, a dance team during worship, and they're not out there all the time. Now, here's the thing. If you've only been exposed to like a weird middle-aged woman doing a calypso dance and her calling that prophetic worship. In a flowy robe with a flag or something. Right. We, yeah. We've all seen those people like that, that God bless her. That to me is not like a, one of the best expressions of prophetic dance. If, if you've seen our worship team online or you've been at Grace Center, we have some really, really anointed dancers come out and they're dancing as the worship is going on. And for me, when I watch them, it's like this integral part of worship and it's prophetic in nature because you've got somebody using movement to actually visually demonstrate some of the interplay between what's going on in heaven, what's going on on earth. It's it's kind of like peeling back in the spirit realm and getting a feel for what's happening. So I don't know if that's incredibly helpful description, but that's what at least I mean when we're talking about prophetic worship or prophetic dance. Your second question is a great question as well. You, you were talking about how do people mean word when they use it commonly in your circles? It, it seems to describe more than strictly prophetic word. Where does that come from? Is it biblical? If you look in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, I mean, all of 1 Corinthians 12 through 1 Corinthians 14, fascinating passages to read, but I'm reading from the um, New American Standard Bible. Paul here is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and he says this, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and then, of course, this prophetic word. So let's just take those three things there. You've got um, prophetic words, you've got word of wisdom, and you've got word of knowledge. So again, when we use the term word, we're usually meaning some sort of revelatory communication. If you think of revelation being an umbrella, and under that umbrella, there's lots of terms like a word of wisdom, which is supernatural wisdom that God gives you to help somebody else in a situation. It hasn't come by your own strategy, your own understanding. It's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit has uh, moved through me in the past where I'm listening to somebody explain something and all of a sudden I have a solution for them. It's way above my pay grade. There's no way I could have known this would have been helpful or, or the right thing. It's the Holy Spirit giving me a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge is information the Holy Spirit gives you about a present or a past event. So, for example, we've had prophets come to Grace Center and with tremendous accuracy, call out a word of knowledge about somebody's life, perhaps their name, their PIN number, their date of birth. And it's an amazing, powerful way for the Holy Spirit to get people's attention. Like, hey, I know you. I know your name. I know where you live. And then a word of prophecy, 
would be a, a word either foretelling or forthtelling. Again, it's one of these kind of generic terms that we use to cover a bunch of different things. And like I said, it's certainly scriptural. You can read more about it in 1 Corinthians 12. All right. Well, we want to uh, wrap up by saying thank you to everyone who's filled out our listener survey. It is closed now. And we'll spend some time chewing through the data. And by we, I mean Alan will, because that's what he does best. Nerdalicious. Yep. Just a nerdtastic individual you are. Uh, And then we'll share it with you over the next couple of weeks. I read every bit of feedback and loved all of it. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts. Winners of prizes will be notified by email this week. If you've got a question or questions you'd like us to answer, visit alanandaj.com slash ask. And if you want the show notes for this episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 163. And lastly, we have our Heaven Declares conference we announced this morning at Grace Center. We're super excited to be having our friends David Campbell all the way from the UK and Gary Morgan all the way from Australia. David and Gary are dear friends of Grace Center. They've been with us many times before. They're tremendous speakers, full of the love of Jesus. They love people and they have years of experience, not only with the Lord, but in ministry. The conference is going to be happening October 26th to 28th. That's a Thursday night, Friday, and all day Saturday. We're expecting this conference to sell out, but you can secure tickets at gracecenter.us slash heaven declares and i'll put a link in the show notes to that as well we'd love to have you join us in october for our heaven declares conference so thanks for joining us we will look forward to being in your ears again next week have a great week faith life communication tacos and video games paleo donuts and the kindness of god the things we deal with every day from Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ, oh, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith in God. And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 